In the mid-5th century, shortly after Britain had been abandoned by its Roman occupiers, a new wave of migrants appeared from across the Channel. Referred to in later sources as the Anglo-Saxons, these invaders were well-cultured, sophisticated, and determined. From the time of Western Rome's demise to the Norman Conquest in 1066, they ruled over vast swaths of Britain, lending their name to what would eventually become the Kingdom of England, one of the greatest powers in medieval Europe. But where had these often misunderstood invaders come from? And what were they looking for in the rainy hills, fields, and crags of Britannia? Our sources for the migrations of the Anglo-Saxons are very sparse. We must depend on two main accounts, the Tales of Gildas and the Chronicles of Bede, which were themselves based on Gildas' works. Later accounts, such as Nennius's History of the Britons from the 9th century and Geoffrey of Monmouth's History of the Kings of Britain from the 12th century, are nice pieces of storytelling, but not entirely reliable. Whatever the stages of the invasion, swift or staggered, the Anglo-Saxons were able to take control of England shortly after the fall of the Western Roman Empire. The catalyst for this significant and lasting change came about when Emperor Honorius removed the last Roman legions from Britannia after the turn of the 5th century. Despite what death and devastation drama queens may have you believe, the province of Britain wasn't cast away into some godforsaken apocalyptical scenario where everyone decided to abandon the Roman cities and go eat dirty grass in the fields. The fact that we even have any sources from the period tells us that British society, after the empire abandoned the island, was sophisticated enough to have academic men in its ranks. The Anglo-Saxons were composed of three tribes from the continent, the Angles, Saxons, and Jutes. They came from an area spanning Saxony, Angeln, and Jutland, and spoke dialects probably quite similar. The popular myth that the takeover was immediate and efficient has been discredited by scholars. Similarly, the Anglo-Saxons didn't discover Britain and just choose to make it their home. Trading communities and routes were probably established between Britain and the Anglo-Saxons' land of origin. And it's rumored that the Anglo-Saxons had been recruited into Roman armies as Fauderati earlier on. Far more than a chance encounter and a spontaneous decision to settle, the Anglo-Saxon migration to Britain likely happened over several staggered stages as tribes on the continent became aware of Britain's weakness at the hands of warring kings. It is claimed by the Anglo-Saxon Chronicle, compiled over several centuries, that the two Jutish brothers, Hengist and Horsa, were invited to Britain by the native king Vortiger, who needed help fighting back the Picts in the north. The scheme was a major success, and Vortigern granted the brothers land in his kingdom as a reward. However, it would later transpire that his decision would cost him dearly, as the Jewish brothers were quick to send excited messages home, telling of the wealth and plunder potential of Britain. 
Within long, swarms of Angles, Saxons, and Jutes rolled up in Britain, defeated Vortigern at the Battle of Islesford, before turning on the native Britons and over several decades pushed them back to the mountains of Wales and Scotland. And the rest is history, as they say. Doubtless, the tale of two pioneering brothers searching for a new homeland and valiantly leading a conquest over Britain is a romantic and dramatic one. But as with most early medieval tales, it likely amounts to nothing more than a neat fable to fill in the chronicler's lack of knowledge about the migration. After all, if they couldn't fabricate fairy tales, what else were they to do for fun? Whether or not the Hengist and Horsa tale has any truth to it, it seems that over several decades, the Anglo-Saxon migrants came to settle across wide regions of Britain, in Kent, the Jutes made their home, while the Angles allegedly put up camp in East Anglia, and the Saxons settled in the south, among other places. From this period, archaeologists have discovered burials, and they appear to be largely divided into two categories. The tall people yielding weapons are said to represent the Anglo-Saxon invaders while the smaller people without weapons are the Romano-Bretonic population of the island. Artifacts dug up at settlements in the Jute-occupied region of Kent resembled those of southern Scandinavia, as well as North Francia, with whom the mainland Jutes had strong political and economic connections. This explains the similar stylistic design of jewelry, pottery, and glass vessels between the continent and the island. As well as bringing pots and pans, the Anglo-Saxons carried over the language of Old English to Britain, which gradually became dominant in later centuries. This change in dialect coincided with the development of the Heptarchy, or as it is better known, the Seven Kingdoms of Angola. Trials and tribulations served up by the Norse in the 9th and 11th centuries would test the cooperation of these seven kingdoms and inspire Anglo-Saxon writers to scribble fantastical tales of the pagan warriors from across the seas. By the seventh century, the people of the Heptarchy began to recognize themselves as settlers of the land of England. But it would be a few more centuries before there was an official king and a unified nation. In the next few episodes, we'll look at some, hopefully, really interesting topics related to the Anglo-Saxon settlement of Britain, such as DNA analysis, the early conquests, and the establishment of seven ruling kingdoms. There will also be some more casual episodes looking into life in early Anglo-Saxon settlements and how it compared to lifestyles in Britain's towns and cities but we'd like to take this moment to humbly ask you to help us continue making medieval history accessible. If you are willing and able to, please consider supporting Medieval by donating to our endeavor on Patreon. You can find the link below. We appreciate the help of every last one of you, financial, motivational, or otherwise. Thank you.